Hello, I'm Alina. Hello, I'm Janine. We're two sisters, two PhDs, relentlessly curious about too many things. This is Sister Doctor Squared. Welcome to episode 15 of Sister Doctor Squared. Hello, Squares. So good to be back with you. Absolutely. Before we get into anything, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where we were recording this episode, the Turrbal and Jagera people. We are coming to you from Mianjin country and we pay our respects to Elders past and present and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. So, Janine, it has been a little while. We've been a little bit delayed in getting Mm. this episode out. Apologies for that. There's been a bit going on. Yeah, I think we've had probably at least three times things booked in to record and just so much has gone down and we've had to keep rescheduling. So we are very excited to finally be able to get into this today. Yes, and we do have some exciting updates, including Janine. You now have a dog. I do. Yeah, so that it's been a little while. I think I've had her around six weeks already. So she's a rescue greyhound. Her name is Callie. She's awesome. I will be talking a bit more about her later. So stay tuned for that. She's so cute. She's so good. I just don't know how, how I can fall in love with something so fast, but I have. Oh, I have. that's precious. I have. I have. I have too. Yeah. I have too. She loves you. I'm very happy to have a furry niece. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that has been a very positive thing, but there's been a lot going on yeah. in the world and locally in yeah. Brisbane and in northern New South Wales. We've had terrible, terrible floods. Yeah, that's right. It's really quite catastrophic what's happened in many towns around our region. I don't really have words to describe how I'm feeling about it, to be honest. I had a little bit of damage to my place, but, you know, compared to what some people are dealing with, so minor and it's a humanitarian crisis in many places. Yep. To everyone impacted by these terrible floods, we are thinking of you, we are wishing you well, Mm. and we have both donated to the cause Mm -hmm. and so we hope that everyone can get back on their feet quickly. Mm. So let's get into the topic for this episode Janine, tell us what it's all about. Yeah, so this episode we have called Fight, Flight or Freeze. Now, this topic has been on our list for some time, you know, the massive list of hundreds of things we want to talk about. But it really came to the fore recently when I got my dog because she was demonstrating this freeze response to stress quite frequently. So I've been starting to look into this for that reason and then going, you know what, let's do this in the episode. Let's get into the freeze response. So we, we think most people will be quite familiar with fight and flight response. So this is the way that the brain and therefore body responds to severe stresses. So it could be common examples given are cave people being chased by some kind of large big cat predator and you're probably going to have to decide, am I going to fight this or am I going to flee? But many people, and this included me just a few years ago, may not be as aware of another option. That is the freeze response. Sometimes this is what the brain and therefore body decides to do in the face of a threat. Yes. And I'll talk more into why this happens as I go through the study that I read. And before I do that, just to let listeners know, there is a trigger warning for some of the content that we'll be discussing from this point onwards in the episode. 
So I'm going to cover a study by Schmidt and Co, and it's a nice one to introduce the concept of the freeze response because it's some of the early work in humans in this space. It was published back in 2008 in the Journal of Behaviour Therapy and Experimental Psychiatry. So this third response, freeze, is sometimes also called tonic immobility. Okay. And it may happen when both fight and flight just aren't viable options because they are unlikely to work in removing the threat. Mm -hmm. You see this freeze response in animals when they play dead. Mm -hmm. If they can't outrun, outswim or outfly a predator... And if they're probably not going to win the fight against the predator, then it makes sense totally to play dead Mm. or freeze. And indeed, some predators relax and release their prey when their prey is no longer moving. So sometimes playing dead is really effective in that way. And also there are some predators that are relying on movement they may not be as good at actually visually detecting shape and colours. They're relying on movement. So think of like a frog getting a fly or a praying mantis. You can see that they are relying on the movement to trigger their predation. So freezing can be very beneficial in that circumstance because they literally can't see the thing if it's frozen. Mm. That's more, more invertebrates often. All right. Today, in humans, freezing can be a response to highly traumatic events such as rape and sexual assault, where victims go into a kind of paralysis during the attack. And this is one of those cases where either fighting back or trying to escape might be very dangerous. Mm. And so instead, the brain decides to enter the freeze response and to actually try and dissociate from what's Mm -hmm. happening. Now, this is all subconscious. These are not conscious decisions. Yeah. So this is one area where the freeze response has been clearly shown in humans. But outside of these traumatic events, at least at the time this study was done, there was not a lot of research on the freeze response in humans as a reaction to threats more generally. So squares, you might be familiar with the concept of being frozen in fear, Mm -hmm. to be so alarmed or scared that you cannot move or think That is what we're talking about. Yeah, and I know from my work with students that students can can enter a bit of a freeze response in exams when they... And people will describe it as I went completely blank and I just could not remember anything. Yep. That's basically that version because think of an exam. You can't... Well, you could, but you can't really get up and run away. You can't get up and start fighting your examiner. (laughs) Freeze is the most logical response if you're feeling highly, highly stressed. That's right. And public speaking would be another one. Yes, definitely. Where some people can freeze. And also wartime. You know, you see in movies and in read anecdotal accounts of people saying they were paralysed in the middle of combat. Yes, Mm. absolutely. When I was reading about this, I thought of that saying deer in the headlights. You've heard this, Janine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought, okay, is that what they're talking about here? But it turns out, this is a small tangent, Okay, but it turns out that deers are not freezing in that instance. That is actually more to do with deer vision. Oh, really? Yeah. It's to do with the anatomy of their eyes and the number of rods they have, you know, rods and cones. Of course. Of course. (laughs) I love my rods and cones. So deer just get completely blinded by headlights and they will just stand there while their eyes adjust. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're not scared. 
They just don't know what's going Maybe on yet. Maybe then they get scared when they realise <laughs> what is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's interesting. It is. I will allow this tangent. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and now we return to the study that I'm covering. And it is quite interesting because it is the first to do a controlled lab-based study to try to actually provoke a freeze response in humans mm. and to look at what makes this freeze response more or less likely. Okay. So they had 404 participants who were in school, in university, or who were part of the community in Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. They did not have any Axis 1 disorders. So that includes mood and anxiety disorders, as well as post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. These sorts of disorders excluded them from participating, which is probably good Mm. considering what was done to them in the study. Oh, They were generally quite young. Um, The average age was around 19 years. Now, the study is kind of weird. What the researchers did was put the participants through what's called a CO2 challenge. Basically, they sat them in a recliner and had them wear a breathing apparatus that gave them air with 20% CO2. Ah. Now, this is designed as a biological challenge because... Taking in this CO2-enriched air can cause such effects as breathlessness, dizziness, chest pain, Mm. and rapid heartbeat. Well, yeah, you kind of need a certain amount of oxygen to function. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like a hoot, right? Oh, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) The participants knew that they might experience certain symptoms, but they did not know when their CO2-enriched air would start or stop or what would be the timing or dose. Yep. So kind of not fun, kind of fear-inducing. Yeah. And get this, Ginny. Yes. The authors noted that because the breathing apparatus was strapped around participants' head, even though it wasn't an actual attack, that it in some ways resembled a predatory grasp... (laughs) (laughs) Like what I talked about earlier with the animals. Mm. So they're really looking for this freeze response that we know at least happens in animals in that kind of situation. Okay, right. So how it went down, participants were seated in the recliner. Mm -hmm. They had the breathing apparatus on and they had five minutes to adapt. So just wearing it. So they're not not tinkering yet. Five minutes where everything's normal. they're not yet getting the CO2 enriched air. Mm Mm-hmm. And at this point, the participants were asked whether they're feeling any sense of wanting to flee Ah. or any feelings of immobility. Okay. So So freezing. So someone's in the room with them going, are you freaking out yet? (laughs) Basically. (laughs) How about now? Are you freaking out now? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Continue. Yeah. So... At this baseline point, few participants reported modest or greater desire to flee or freeze response. Mm-hmm. It was 6 and 5% respectively. So we already have a, a few people freaking out, which is probably a bit yes. of a nocebo flashback. Well, also, they've got this breathing paraphernalia yeah. strapped to their face. Not fun. That predatory grasp, quote unquote, <laughs> alone may indeed yeah. have been freeze response inducing. Yeah, okay. Yep. So, yeah, most people reported little or no desire to flee or freeze. Uh huh. And so, without the CO2 enriched air, desire to flee or freeze responses were relatively uncommon and happened at about the same rate. Okay. Now, 
After the CO2 challenge, the proportion reporting a modest or greater freeze response increased to 13%. Okay. So it's still the minority of people, but it did more than double. Yep. Now, this is probably the effect of the CO2, but it's important to note here that we don't actually have a control group, so just bear that in mind. Yeah, true. Uh, Maybe without CO2, if they sit there long enough in this predatory grasp, (laughs) that's enough for people to freeze. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to say I think the CO2 probably had something to do with it. Oh, given yeah, yeah those it's basic symptoms. physiology. You need a certain amount of oxygen and the CO2 balance is very important. Yeah, yeah it's going sure. to make you feel uncomfortable at for best. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, 20% reported a desire to flee. Okay. And when they compared that statistically with the freeze response, it was significantly higher. So what was it? 13% freeze, 20% flee? Yes. Okay. And that was significantly different. So the CO2 challenge seemed to increase both desire to flee and freeze response, Uh but it seemed to increase the desire to flee to a greater extent. Yep. So this suggests that the flight response probably is more common than freeze, at least in this kind of situation. Yeah. Now, still more than two-thirds of participants then reported little or no freeze response after the CO2 challenge. They're just just chill. They might not be chill, but they're not freezing. Yes. So there's clearly some variability in freeze response between people. Mm. This is just individual differences, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Well, the researchers had done a suite of assessments around participants' mental health, including their tendency to panic, general anxiety levels day-to-day, family history of anxiety, anxiety severity, tendency to worry, and others. And they measured these to see if any of these variables seemed to influence the likelihood of having this freeze response. They found that various measures of anxiety, fear, and panic did indeed predict either of those two threat responses. So either wanting to flee or the freeze response. Mm -hmm. So if you felt quite anxious and fearful during the challenge, you were more likely to have one of these sorts of responses. Yeah, okay. There was a lot of complex relationships going on and I'm not going to talk about them all due to time, Mm -hmm. but really these are the major findings on that front. Mm -hmm. Now, just to note that As far as what characteristics made freeze more likely than desire to flee, I don't believe the authors actually found anything here. It's not discussed in the paper. Mm -hmm. Okay, so clearly in this situation we're seeing freeze response or desire to flee but not really fight, which does kind of make sense because, I mean, what are they going to do? How are they going to (laughs) fight? Maybe if the um, CO2 oxygen balance was being disrupted because the... The experiment is holding a pillow over their face. Yeah, that's right. Maybe then it's going to be a bit of a punch on. (laughs) (laughs) The fight response in this context would be to take out the experimenter. Yeah, maybe it's like, turn on my O2, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) We've got uni students here, so maybe they could whack the experimenter over the head with a textbook. So, yeah, it makes sense that in this situation, this is this is an interesting example where you can see it's very context-specific as to what the brain decides to yes. do. Yes, fight responses were not measured or reported. Yeah. So there may have been someone who <laughs> whacked the experimenter over the head with a textbook. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we may need to follow up with the authors. <laughs> okay. Now, just another thing to point out is that they measured desire to flee, not actually fleeing. Mm. So it's not quite the same thing for comparative purposes. That's true. They're in a recliner with this 
thing strapped to their head. Mm. So fleeing is not really an option. Yes. Well, it's not an easy option. But in this paper, the freeze response was really the focus. Yep. So in sum, what this paper can tell us is the freeze response in humans can be triggered in the Mm -hmm. lab. Mm -hmm. It's certainly a thing, although it doesn't appear to be as common Mm. as the desire to flee in this situation Yeah, and desire to flee being a proxy for the flight response. And it's probably very much influenced by various other factors. Mm. So individual differences in psychology, which we've touched on, and most definitely other situational factors that mm. haven't even been measured in this kind of very controlled lab environment. Yeah. Human psychology is very complex, Janine. Yes. Did you know this? Uh, Understatement yeah. of yeah, the year. Yeah, I've, I'm aware of this. <laughs> I'd given that some thought. <laughs> so if this, if this freeze response can be triggered in a controlled lab experiment where, well... People are probably feeling stressed and uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. There's actually no clear and present threat to life yeah. itself. Yeah. So they know they're not actually in mortal danger. That's right. Yeah. So I, I think then it's probably really underestimating and underappreciating the mm. freeze response in the real world. Mm-mm. You know, in life-threatening situations mm-hmm. in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I am um, just thinking about it. I can think of a few fictional books I've read where women have, where female characters have talked about the experience, the horrendous experience of being raped and how they often have frozen and that they just feel this huge amount of shame around that, that they should have fought back, they should have done something else. But I think this is, it's important for people to understand that this is a valid response and that your brain decided with no conscious effort that that was the best thing to do in that situation. There's no shame. Of course. Mm. It's a response that's driven by biology, psychology, evolution. Yeah, survival. Absolutely. Okay, so that was one of the very early lab-based studies on the freeze response in humans. And now Janine's going to talk to us about a much more recent study that's looking at the freeze response in rats and some individual differences in why some might display this behaviour and some might not. Take it away. All right, let's do it. Uh, So this paper was by Tina Gruen and colleagues. It was published in 2015, so not super recent, but pretty recent. And the title of the paper is Sexually Divergent Expression of Active and Passive Conditioned Fear Responses in Rats. So that term active response would mean fight or flight, passive would mean freeze. So firstly, they outline that most, if not all, animals display fear responses in stressful situations. And as we've been discussing, this can be fight, flight or freeze. Interestingly, freezing is quite common in certain animal models and it can actually be the dominant fear response, which I don't think we would say is the case in humans. I mean, in certain situations, it does seem like freeze may be the dominant one, but overall, I don't think freeze is the dominant Um, response in humans in general, but in some animals it is. So freezing certainly has seemed to be the main instinctive response to fear in rodents. So rodents being rats, mice, I'll also throw in there my favourite guinea pigs and capybaras. Oh yeah. All part of the rodent clade. Um, So these are the focus animals of this paper, specifically rats. In rats, 
Up until this paper was published, freezing had been used as the proxy for level of fear in most studies. Right. But what the authors wanted to do was just sort of test this a bit further and specifically look at whether there's any difference between males and females. So do male and female rats respond in the same ways to the same threat? And also to establish whether freezing is a good measure of fear in rats in general and male and female specifically. Okay. Okay, so what they did was they had roughly equal numbers of male and female rats, so they had 56 and 58 respectively. They used a technique called fear conditioning. Now, this is a bit like Pavlovian conditioning. People may remember this from high school biology. This is where you can train a dog to salivate based on hearing a sound when they are provided with some food. So I'll just outline this specific sort of application of Pavlovian conditioning called fear conditioning. So step one is to apply an electric shock to the rat's foot and at the same time simultaneously playing a specific sound. And what happens is the rats will learn pretty fast Mm. that this sound is associated with pain where eventually just playing that sound will elicit the fear response. So when that Mm -hmm. occurs, fear conditioning has taken place. Yes. But... The more the sound is then played without the actual electric shock, the less fearful the rats become. Essentially, they relearn that the sound is not actually of concern and this phase is called extinction. So what the experimental design was was to complete seven of those conditioning trials on day one. So this is seven times we're going to apply a shock with a sound at the same time with a four-minute break in between each phase. And when they did that, they noted what type of response did the rats give and how long did it last. And they're specifically looking for did the rats freeze or did they dart? So darting is analogous to flight. Yep. All right. So then on the second day, they then did 20 or more rounds of that extinction phase. So here, we're now we're just going to play the sound without the electric shock. We're going to do it 20 times with gaps of four minutes between. And then on day three, they then test the rats to see how much of that fear response has been retained, and they call that the retention phase. So now they are playing the sound with no shock on day three to see how much fear is sort of still hanging around. So interestingly, they found significant differences between male and female rats. Very interesting. Specifically, females were more likely to display a darting response rather than a freeze response when compared to males in that initial conditioning phase, so when they're first applying the shocks and the sound. Oh, okay. But they didn't see darting in all females, so there is a cohort of females that would opt for the freeze response. So then they, what they did was categorise all rats, whether they were male or female, into darters or non-darters. So did they dart or did they freeze? And when you look at the data, 40% of females were darters and only 10% of males were darters. So a big difference there. Okay. So this essentially means the females were four times more likely to display a flight response than males. And they also could establish that the speed of the darting was actually faster among the females. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, just remembering that this darting behaviour is analogous to flight in humans and other animals. All right, so when the researchers got to the extinction phase, so just to recap, this is when they keep playing the sound on day two, but they don't have the electric shock accompanying it. 
So eventually the rats become much less fearful. This is super interesting. The females that were in the group that darted during that fear conditioning phase, they recovered faster and achieved extinction faster than females that had opted for the freeze response. Wow. So it's like in these rats, the flight response was more psychologically beneficial for them in terms of their recovery. Exactly. Their summary is that darting may be a better response overall and my take on it is that it's leading to better resilience. Like they can kind of snap back quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's very cool. And, um, but, you know, this is in rats and in this very specific situation. That's all we can say. Yes. They did have a look whether there was any relationship between the estrus or hormonal cycles because obviously female rats will be going through those just to see if that, did that um, predict their propensity to dart or freeze and there was no relationship. Okay. They also did a little bit of work to see maybe the females that were in the darting group were just more active and faster in general. Mm Mm-hmm but that was not found to be the case. It was clear that them opting to dart was a direct response to the fear. It wasn't a personality difference about being kind of more active and fast in general. Yeah. So most female rats preferred flight over a freeze response. But remember, there was still a group of females that did prefer to freeze. So there are some individual differences here. Mm -hmm. So what's important about this study is that where freeze responses have been used as the main gauge or proxy for fear level in rats and maybe other rodents, this is potentially quite problematic because the females showing a low freeze response in past studies would have been categorised as not displaying fear Mm -hmm. when actually maybe a lot of them were. So what we're saying here is it was assumed that if they're moving around, they're kind of cool when, in fact, many may have been quite stressed and darting. Yeah, they're getting their dart on. They're getting the dart on. So things are a lot more nuanced and we really see here that we need to take into account gender differences in studies. The authors also talk about there are pros and cons for both responses. So freezing can be advantageous if it helps you appear less visible to predators, but it could be negative if it makes you more easy prey because you're still and you're right there. Darting can be disadvantageous because it can make you more obvious if the predator is relying on movement cues. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the main takeaways here is that we really do need to include, well, firstly, we need to include females in studies. A lot of studies have focused just on males because that removes the apparent issue of there being hormonal cycles that we can't control for. So, yeah, we need to firstly include females, but also then test for gender differences. And the next step to me, would be let's try and understand why is there a difference, how meaningful is this difference? And, of course, as an evolutionary biologist, my thinking straight away goes to is there a genetic basis for that difference? Is there a genetic basis for a rat's propensity to dart or freeze? Yep. Because if it is genetic, therefore it can be heritable, that would suggest that these differences may have been favoured by natural selection. And I did find another commentary paper that was written about this study and it did suggest that female rats may have evolved to have different fear responses as they do have different selection pressures. For example, they are the primary rats that would be having to defend nests from predators. So there's different pressures on them. So they may have evolved to have different responses. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And 
Really interestingly, the authors also discuss the broader implications of this work. So again, this is a specific study in rats, but there are implications including the development of and treatment for PTSD in humans. Apparently, women are two times more likely to suffer from PTSD. I did not know that. Did you know that, Alina? I did. I knew that they were more likely to, and I believe part of the reason is that women are far more likely to experience sexual assault. Mm. Well, yeah, so understanding gender-based differences in fear responses is clearly very important. I think understanding sex-based differences. Yes, and we also need to get a better handle on the influence of neurology and hormones. I think that's going to be really key and perhaps why they responded that way in order to treat them effectively. Mm. And I think it's important to point out that these results, they're not necessarily mirroring the situation in humans because it's... Obviously, it's a study in rats, but these studies still provide some really important insights that we can springboard from. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, the individual differences are really important and it was interesting that you got into the sex differences. Yeah. Well, I think both studies have shown that the freeze response is highly variable. Yeah, it's contextual and it's individual. That's right. But it's certainly... Uh, response to threat that happens in humans and in animals. Mm -hmm. And I think nothing to be ashamed of if if anyone has ever experienced it. No, of course not. Perfectly natural, yeah. And it's just important to understand the Mm. diverse reactions to threatening situations. Mm. So next time (laughs) you are thinking about fight or flight and that concept, just remember the third option, Mm. freeze. That's right. Okay, Janine, shall we do an inner square? Oh, far out. I still have the most massive backlog of inner square moments. I think I mentioned this last time. Yes, I'm I'm imagining your list is only longer. (laughs) It's just getting bigger. Well, I don't actually have an inner square this week. (laughs) What? I'm... Just going, hang just on, in the interest on. of time, there's something I need not, to say. You no, did not clear this with clear me in, with our, you. in our prep meeting. Well, I didn't know how you'd feel about it. <laughs> I have something to say and okay. maybe it's a new segment to the podcast, oh. but for now, for me, right. it's just going to replace my inner square. And this new segment is called How's Alina's Kitchen Renovation Going? Oh my God. Because there's been an update. So if you remember from the Mark Update episode, we did a kitchen Uh renovation. Yes. And the kitchen was due to be delivered on a certain day and it didn't show up and they Mm -hmm. didn't tell us that it wasn't coming. So this was the random unnamed Swedish furniture store. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So it's still going. Let's just say things didn't quite go to plan. Yeah, so you know there's some outstanding items and we're still opening drawers with pieces of masking tape and Mm -hmm. got some drawer fronts missing. Mm -hmm. So, but exciting news. They came through a couple of weeks ago and said, they're back in stock, we've got your stuff. We bought it, booked for delivery, it's all going to happen. Oh, great. And the same thing happened again. What? <laughs> the, day, the day went oh, by. Seriously. No delivery came. No what phone is going call was on received. At said random <laughs> Swedish furniture store. We called to say, oh. hey, what's happening? They were like, oh no, those things are out of stock. What? The oh same my thing goodness. Again. And this time I didn't have a fight, flight, freeze, or <laughs> cry hysterically response. I just laughed. 
Because mm. I kind of knew. When, your resilience when has it was been booked, improved. I kind of went, no, I don't believe this. We'll just <laughs> see. It sounds a bit too good to be true. So, yes, the exact same thing happened again. Same thing happened again. Oh, so my that's goodness. my update. I just wanted to say that it happened again. Oh, I, I just have no words for this. It's just baffling. I know. I know. It's funny. But it's actually funny now. That's that's the good <laughs> okay. thing about it. So it's been rebooked for next week, Janine. Okay. I yeah, wait apparently an update. it's coming next week. Mm, so we'll see how see. that goes. <laughs> I'll update you in the next episode. And, okay. you know, depending on the scale of whatever is happening at this random unnamed Swedish furniture store. I don't know what's happening. But depending but on how long what? this goes on, that will determine for how many episodes we run this segment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I approve of the segment now that I understand the segment. Um, I should have said... We should have started it ages ago because it would have, it would have been... It would have been a solid piece of content that we could run through. Yeah, I think we need specific sound effects because this could go some time. In case you are wondering, this all happened before the floods. Oh, yeah, yeah. That had nothing uh, to do with this. We would completely understand that. Of course. Um, of course. This is, this is just really... I don't know. What kind of business are they running? I don't really know what's going on there. And we understand stock issues due to COVID, but what's happening is things are being sold to us <laughs> and they're booked for delivery and then they don't bring them and then they say, no, we don't have any of those. <laughs> but it's also... <laughs> <laughs> You're right, it is getting funnier. <laughs> it's also it's just they don't, they don't actually communicate anything. No. Yeah, there's something very wrong. There should be some sort of alert that, you know, something has gone awry. We need to communicate with our customers. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. Is that segment finished then? <laughs> Thanks. All right. Now, um, Janine's in a square. <laughs> Yes, well, again, I'm going to go with the most significant today and I've already touched on this. It is my amazing new rescue greyhound, Callie. She I knew it was, would be about her. Yeah. she. So she was a racing dog in the greyhound industry, but she was rejected Boo. because she has developed a condition called panis. This is an autoimmune condition of the eyes. Greyhounds and some other breeds of dogs are prone to this. For example, German Shepherds apparently. And what happens is the corneal layer of the eye becomes thickened with extra keratin. And Mm. if it is untreated, they will go blind. My understanding is that when the dogs are in the industry and this starts, there is no effort to treat it. So it just progresses until the point when they decide this dog is of no use to our industry and the dog, if not rescued, I imagine will be terminated. So I'm very, very thrilled that I could get involved and rescue this beautiful creature. All all I have to do is put a steroid eye drop in her eyes two times a day and she tolerates it perfectly fine. It's really not that hard to deal with this issue. Anyway. You're squeezing liquid into her eyeballs and she just stands there and lets you do it. She, she kind of almost, she turns her head slightly like, I'm not very happy about this. But she lets but me I, do it. I will allow it. <laughs> I have, on the topic of um, Pavlovian conditioning, I have started, I do it directly before her dinner and her breakfast. So what, I think that does help. Yeah, no, no, I do the drops and then I give her food. So I think she's oh, now right. like, ooh, drops time means food, yay. Look at you using science to create a more harmonious <laughs> life for your, for your dog. Uh, 
but yes, so touching back on, I mentioned at the beginning, so when I got her, her freeze response was really strong. And I told you at the time, for example, if I took her in the car the first few times, she would freeze when I was trying to get her back out of the car. She would just completely lie flat and could not move, dead weight. So <laughs> she's big. It was really interesting because I'm like, what is she doing? And she's 26 kilograms. She is heavy. Yeah. Another thing to note about greyhounds from the industry, they spend their whole lives in a cage or racing. So she had never encountered stairs. I had to teach her how to climb up stairs. Yeah. Yeah. So for the first uh, three to four weeks, I was lifting 26 kilograms up and down my stairs. Whoa. Yeah. That was hard. The I'm poor glad thing. I managed you to tell her. that she just stares at it thinking does not compute. Yeah, she did and she <laughs> would freeze. I don't want to try. And she, yeah, she, she would really freeze. She would put her first few, her first two legs on like, you know, step one and just completely freeze, completely freeze. So, yes, she was a big inspiration for this episode. Um, the other thing I, I absolutely have to tell you about is that this panis eye condition can be made worse. It's thought through UV light exposure. So you, you I don't think I've told you this, Alina, you will not believe this, but I have been provided with dog goggles. Doggles. Which goggles! I know. And I was yes. going, you know what? I know what these are because of my sister's in a square moment around a year ago. Yes, throwback <laughs> so, to oh, I don't remember what episode that was. But yes, I now own some we've doggles. We've talked about doggles. That's right. So if That's we're out amazing. adventuring, if we're out adventuring in the midday sun, we will be popping on the doggles. You must take a picture and post it to our social media. Okay, I will. Thanks in advance. I'm just looking. I mean, I've got. Honestly, I could have like six pages of stuff to talk about with her. Well, I will, I'm going to cut you off there. I will rein it in. I'm going to cut you off. One thing I will tell you is that's really interesting. Now, I don't know if other breeds do this, but when a greyhound is excited, their jaw shivers. They look cold. Oh, yeah. That is how they're yeah. excited. It is so funny. And so many people will come home and go, is she cold? She looks no, like she's her, excited. Yeah, her teeth are chattering. They call it chattering. That's what they call it. So It's so cute. It's super cute. She does it a lot when I come over. Oh, she does. She loves you. She loves yeah. you. She rested her head on your lap before she did it to me, which I'm not sure I've quite gotten over. But anyway. <laughs> Look, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so... My cat sleeps on me. Yeah. Well, I mean, the last thing I'll say about it is that one thing I'm just grappling with is how this evil, awful industry has bred this breed of dogs for human sport and gambling, which is just... Wrong, in my opinion. But it has resulted in this most beautiful, amazing breed of calm, loving dog. Yes. I want I'm the really same grappling thing. with this. I'm really grappling with this. So it's interesting that she is so affectionate towards us when yes. she's lived a life. She's five now, right? She's had five yeah, she's years five. of having none of that. She's been in a cage yes. or yes. on a racetrack. That's yes. it. Yes. My resolution is that the industry needs to stop. But the breeding of these animals needs to continue and they need to of be course. socially conditioned into families from the very beginning and they are the most amazing pets. Can't yeah. recommend more highly. It just goes I will never to, have another breed of dog again. Yeah. It just goes to show that this is their innate nature, you know. But I will this, say that she totally will chase your cat. <laughs> oh, so yes. They, are, she they will, will never meet. eat my cat. <laughs> she would. And they will never meet. 
No, that's right. Whose idea was it? When you said you wanted to get a dog, Janine, whose idea was it that you get a greyhound? It was yours. Oh, that's right. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. It was mine. It was. I was, I had been aware of just how amazing they were as pets a few years ago, but I had forgotten about it. And when you told me and reminded me, I went, yes, I think I will look into this. And I couldn't be happier. I'm just thrilled. So, my accountant has a greyhound. Oh, yeah. I haven't met that dog yet. Also, my accountant. Alina, who put you on to that amazing accountant? Oh, I think that was you, Janine. <laughs> That's right. She's great. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. <laughs> well, on that note, Alina, yes. you had one more thing that you were going to bring up. Oh, yes. Announcement time. Mm. So in the Muck Update episode, we mentioned that we would be starting some form of crowdfunding to -hmm. help us financially support the podcast. We have done that now. So very pleased to announce we now have a Ko-fi page. This is where you can make a donation of your choosing. Uh, It's essentially like buying us a coffee, just to say we like the podcast and we want to help you keep it going. Um, No donation, too small. And the URL is ko-fi.com slash Sister Dr. Squared or just go to the Ko-fi website and search for Sister Dr. Squared. Janine will also put links up on the website. Alina, I'm pretty sure it would be pronounced coffee, right? No, I looked this up. (laughs) Okay. I did my research beforehand. All right. The very lovely people at Kofi have tweeted about how to pronounce their organisation. Okay. And it is Kofi the same as no fee. Get it? Oh. Because Kofi does not take a cut. So your donations come directly to us. Yes. But yes, it is also based on the premise of buying someone a coffee. K-O- Dash F-I. Okay, thank you. I would have been calling it coffee, so thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. So that just helps us with the costs of making a podcast and to help us keep doing what we love, keep making the podcast that we love. And maybe get better sound effects. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> but I do like a big ugly horn. We've got to bring that back. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining us. Details of everything we've talked about will be available on the website, www.sisterdoctorsquared.com. Uh, follow along on Facebook, Twitter and the Gram and we'd love to connect with you. I will try not to spam with too many pictures of my dog. No, but it's good because now you understand all the stuff I send you. I send you pictures about my cat and tell you whatever she did, you know, each day. And now you I understand because do. you're doing the same thing to me. I know. Pet owners, pet lovers out there, you'll understand. The rescue greyhound community is like this awesome cult. I'm so happy to be in it. It's great. <laughs> It's true. We get we hang out. Doesn't have the most positive connotations, but I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's good. I love it. You're just saying they're very passionate. Yeah, and we all hang out. We go on big walks together with all of our like a troop of thirty greyhounds. It's so cool. Yeah, it's very good. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. And I can't wait to see you tomorrow when I come over. Good. Well, on that note. See you then, Janine. Let's wrap this up. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Stay square out there. Oh, yes.